Her husband is a medically retired police officer, firefighter, and EMT. She's here to tell their story about traumatic brain injury and what you can do to help avoid disaster, no matter your walk of life. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Brought to you in part by Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Everyone's welcome at the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page, where you'll find fun, informative, and enjoyable posts daily. Purebred, mixed breeds, rescues, we love them all. Be sure to like the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. What do you get when you combine social audio with social media all in one free app? It's called Breakout. Get it at letbreak.com. There's a free version for your iPhone and Android devices. Be sure to follow John J. Wiley of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Use a profile at LET Radio Show. Get it for free at letbreak.com or at the App Store and Google Play. We have Joan Vandegreek on the phone. Joan is the spouse of a retired, medically retired police officer, Greg. He's also an EMT and firefighter with 26 years on the job encountered and developed traumatic brain injury we'll talk about in a moment she's also a cpa her website is fetchyourwealth.com joan first of all thanks for being guest on the show secondly thanks for agreeing to tell your story very much appreciated thank you i'm i'm very excited to be sharing and seeing how i can give a little information for people to maybe not have to repeat our same steps well here's the the thing joan and you know two things number one when police officers are injured, any first responders injured, the news media will say the injuries aren't life-threatening, and that's it. Uh, and they never talk about what happens afterwards. And the other thing is, we, we never get to hear from spouses of law enforcement officers or other first responders who've been injured. And lastly, traumatic brain injury was something that's not even on the radar for me, even as early as five, ten years ago. Yeah, exactly. No, it, and it wasn't on our radar either. Um, and, and that, and that's kind of the part that just excites me about doing this today because, you know, I think surface level, we, we, you know, oh, they look okay. Especially like, for instance, my husband's injury, it's a closed head injury. He, he's walking, talking, he's, you know, there's days where he's chipper, there's days where he's not, and he looks normal and, and finding what was normal was you know, so different from the person I married, right? I'm totally, I'm with someone who's completely different these days. And, and it's one of those things where anything I can do to kind of like let people know, like, Hey, this is, this is hard for us as a spouse, because we, we sort of joke my husband and I, but like, he's like, anyone else would have been out of this marriage because it, you know, he recognizes that it's hard, but at the same time, you know, we've made it work and we, now we're at the point where we can kind of find a little bit of humor in it. And, um, and, but we do feel like there's, you know, people need to know this going into the Academy. I remember they tried to prepare us as spouses. Um, when he started the Academy, he would come home and say, Hey, you know, we should think about this and think about that. 
you know, everything, right? Everything right. from, you know, how you deed your house to um, get life insurance to like, hey, you should be planned on being sued continuously. Right. <laughs> it was like the type of stuff he would come home, you know, and, and it was all like good advice. And we, we thought we were following it well. And then, uh, yeah. And then you find out like, oh, everything we did to plan, not that it was wrong, but it wasn't enough. Here's the thing. Um, I never thought bad stuff would happen to me. And I'm, I'm sure you didn't think we know there's a risk. We all know that. But doing the job, you don't think it's going to happen to you. And for spouses, you probably didn't think it was going to happen to him or you either, did you? No. I mean, we always knew there was some risk. You know, you, you think of like, you know, how I always thought it was so unusual how often he told me he had to draw his weapon at work. I was like, really? I figured that would be like a once in a lifetime kind of thing. And I realized it was almost a daily occurrence. Um we sort of always knew that, you know, working highway operations, working traffic, we always figured it would be like a hit by a car kind of scenario. And we were, I mean, we knew there was risk, but we just never thought it would be like something as simple as how he got hurt and just how it intertwines right. like with, you know, what the long-term circumstances are. We always are tend to think that. it's going to be something, and I hate to say it this way, something sexy that's a career ender. I got injured in yeah. a, uh, a bank robbery, gunfight, blah, 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 all those other things. And quite right. often, it's it's not that at all. But before we get into your story, because there's so much about your story that I think will be eye-opening for people, uh, we talked, mm-hmm. uh, we've had a guest on the show a couple of times. Her name is Kay Reyna. Her husband, Umberto Reyna, uh, is a re- medically retired North Carolina State Highway Patrol, and I probably said it wrong, but he has a severe case of traumatic brain injury. And the first time I met him, he's very physically fit. He looks great. You wouldn't know until you look closer. He he wore a skull cap, and he had these these glasses on. It seemed strange, and headphones. But I couldn't mm-hmm. talk to him. He he is n- not the same guy. Dramatically different than than the, the man who went to work that day. And I can see easily. And I'll be honest. I'll confess. I thought a long time ago, traumatic brain injury. It's another way to get, you know, paid. I, ne- I didn't think much. Yes, these people seem exactly. to be fine and they look normal. And then when you get closer, you find out they're not. Yep. And we went through all that. We, I mean, we've been accused of faking it. And yeah, and we can go into all of that. But exactly. And I mean, there was even a point in time where I told my husband, I'm like, you better not be faking this. Like, tell me, you know, and I had no reason to think it. He loved his career. But, I mean, you get to that point where, like, how can you be this bad? Like, I mean, and you start to just kind of, like, second-guess it. But then, you know, part of what helped me, and this is going on ahead, is I actually ended up going to the doctor offices with him and watching him try to do the tests and try to bite my tongue as he was doing and struggling in them. And that was like, oh, okay, now now I'm starting to understand you got to see firsthand yeah, that when he was doing tests, that he was having difficulty with things. It, I, I don't have a point of comparison. I have a physical disability. Most people mm-hmm. wouldn't know to look at me because I don't use a walker. I don't have crutches. I don't have a wheelchair. I have a total fusion in my right hand and wrist, and I'm right-handed. That's what ended my career. And you wouldn't know right. to look that I've got, I'm air-quoting as we talk, a physical disability. Mm-hmm. But when sort of a point of comparison, but when you say you're watching your husband try to do these tests, it, the first thing I thought of was trying to tutor my daughters on basic things like math and getting frustrated. Like, why can't you get this? Did you experience that right. at all? 
Yeah, it it was interesting. What what kind of started it all was um, my daughter when he got injured was about seven months. She was just I. And I remember that because she was just starting to sit up on her own. And we were trying to have another one and all those types of things. And I remember after the injury, I would, you know, at the time I was, you know, I had a couple of clients. I would go out and, you know, spend the day doing accounting and meetings with them. And I'd come home not really thinking anything of it because he was home with the baby. I mean, he's perfectly, he's better qualified than I was. He was a, you know, he knew how to do CPR in my mind. And I'd be like, Oh, did the baby eat? You know, it was those types of things. And he's like, I don't remember. And I'm like, well, well, how do you not remember? I mean, like you either fed the baby or you didn't, you know, or if she was teething, okay, did you give her the Tylenol? Those were like the things where like he would start struggling. And then there was other things like he started losing. Um, he loved to play like work on cars and just, you know, tinker with them in the garage all day. He started losing like tools. He lost car keys. These are all just things where like, this was the guy that never forgot those kinds of things. And I'm like, what? And, and of course it ended up being fights in the beginning yeah, because I'm, I'm like, sure. how, I mean, huge fights. And I was just like, how, how do you not remember this? You know? And I'm like, Oh, I'm tired. I'm like, well, yeah, of course you're tired. You're always tired. Like you, he worked night shifts for how many years up until that? I'm like, well, you know, suck it up, sunshine. Kind of was kind of like was suck it up, buttercup. You're the police. You had a job to do. Yep. We're talking with Joan Vandegreek, and when we return, we're going to talk more about her experience with her medically retired police officer, EMT, firefighter husband Greg's traumatic brain injury, the impact on her, her family, how it occurred, and much more. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Imagine if you were one of the first on social media or on social audio apps. Here's your chance to be one of the first on the free breakout app that combines the best of social audio and social media. Get it at letbreak.com. There's a free version for your iPhone and Android devices. Be sure to follow John J. Wiley, the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Use the profile at LET Radio Show. Get it for free at letbreak.com or at the App Store and Google Play. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. Return conversation on the Law Enforcement Today Show with Joan Vandegreek. Her husband, Greg, is a medically retired police officer, firefighter, EMT from the Denver, Colorado area. Uh, 26 years uh, total on the job. She is a CPA, and her website is fetchyourwealth.com. Joan, there there had to be a time where there's the before life and life after the in, the injury. And we talked earlier, a lot yeah. of these injuries are not sexy. They're not dramatic. They seem routine, how they occur. Can you talk about a little bit of life before? What kind of life you and Greg had together? Oh, yeah. No, and so... You know, for years, he was the guy that just always volunteered for everything. You know, we, we remember his career. Like, he loved, he just loved being a police officer. You know, he started, he really started back when he was about 16 as a junior firefighter. It was all volunteer. We lived back in New York at the time. That was that was normal. And then as soon as he was old enough, he became a volunteer EMT, then eventually a paid EMT. And we actually moved um, and bought a house 
sight unseen from New York to um, the Denver area because he wanted to be a um, law enforcement officer so bad. Um, it was just kind of how he was wired. You know, we used to laugh. He, he said his first save was when he was 13 as a lifeguard. Like, it was just, that's just how he was. Right. And, you know, he convinced me to get married, move cross country, sight unseen to this house. And, you know, we had no jobs. And um, that process of when we bought the house to, I remember we moved in April of uh, 2006. Um, he went to every career fair, every, everything. He was constantly on the plane, just logging miles, doing everything he could to show that he was serious um, to, to the agencies around here and that he really wanted to, to do it. And luckily we got the news. Gosh, probably it was less than a week before we were actually going to like pull out of the driveway with the moving truck that, hey, um, you've been accepted and you're going to be a law enforcement officer. And by the way, you start training in about a week and a half. So we're like, okay, well, now we better start driving. Um, I mean, it just he loved it. You, you know? moved and he, across and country with yep. no job, no future, a dream. This yep. is what he wanted. And you bought a house sight unseen. Who does that? Yep. Yeah, exactly. I know. But, you know, it was one of those things where we lived in New York. Everything was so expensive. I was kind of tired of um, working in public accounting. And I'm like, eh, you know, like we were so young. It was just kind of like, well, if it, if it goes good, great. If it doesn't, we'll figure it out. I That's remember right. you um, can always I, go back to doing what you're doing before if it doesn't work out. Yeah. Well, and as a backup plan, he's like, look, I, I'm a licensed DMT. I'm a licensed firefighter. I can try for something there. Or he actually, at the last minute, decided to get a CDL because he's like, worst case scenario, I'll drive a delivery truck until we figure it out. So we, you know, we kind of had some plans in place. And I'm like, well, I can always do some bookkeeping gigs or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we really just kind of went all in and, and I'm glad we did. Um, but it was, it was pretty intimidating. Now I've got to ask you this. If you had a friend fine. saying, Hey, I'm yeah. thinking about, I'm going to get married. I'm moving cross country or relative. Uh, we're going to buy a house we've never seen before. What would you say to them? Um, well, the good thing is now you can do FaceTime. So you can at least, you know, have the realtor <laughs> walk around the house and show it to you. I, I had a little bit of a, a panic attack when I got to the house and actually saw it and saw what it really looked like. I, I'm, I do remember that panic attack. And my husband's like, you hate it. And I'm like, I do. Yeah. But we, we kept it and made it work. And, you know, paint and lipstick can do a lot of things to a house you don't like. You know, we made it work. And, um, you know, what's funny is we actually brought along with us my, my horse at the time, who was like 20-something years old and like fully happy and retired in New York. Like we, we made everyone come with us. And, um, you know, we made it work and we loved it. We loved the house. We loved living here. We had friends here, so that helped a little bit. It sounds almost um, like it was a storybook kind of uh, yeah. situation or a made for, for TV movies. Like, oh, this is wonderful. Yeah, it was good. It was it was really good. He, you know, he was super excited. I got a great job. Um, you know, it, I got to find the right job. You know, and it, it was all good. And um, you know, we just kind of did the, the thing. You know, he, I used, to, <laughs> we used to make fun of him because he was just like every time someone's like, "Hey, I have I have an extra shift. Do you need it?" You know, it wasn't even that he needed it. He he was just the guy that always said yes, unless he was already booked for something or over in his hours. It was, they knew he was an automatic yes. Like How he was long was just, he in the job he before it. he got hurt? Um, Let's see, from nine, a little over nine years. Gotcha. Actually, it was exactly nine years, yeah. How were you made aware that he'd been injured? 
Oh, I, I really remember it. So I remember I was with a client. Um, his wife was had a daycare, so I had just dropped my daughter off. She, uh, she was watching my daughter just so I could like meet in their office and, and making things easy for us. And um, my husband was working um, a parade route. Um, we always tended to pick the off-duty kids. Like, we didn't do the bars. He didn't like the games. He, he just couldn't stand that kind of crowd. He always did, like, the kids stuff. So um, he often did, like you know, kids day type of things. And this was a parade for children. Um, and I remember getting the phone call and we were, you know, I was wrapping up and we're pulling out. I got the phone call that, um, Greg, I got kicked in the head. Um, I believe I remember it was his, his supervisor, Ted, who called me. He's like, yeah, he's okay. You know, he's, we, we took him to the hospital. Um, they're getting him checked out. You know, he's, he's got, you know, um, some of our guys with him and, it it was kind of like non-dramatic and, and part of why I wasn't like really worried was he got kicked in the head by a horse and I had been kicked in the head. We had horses. I had been kicked in the head and broke a jaw and my, my father's been kicked in the head and, and had a little concussion and optic break. And I'm really like, Hey, welcome to our club. Like we kind of like laughed it off almost because we're like, Oh, okay. We've all been kicked in the head. We've all survived. No big deal. You know? Hey. And, um, and and that was kind of like I think that hurt him in a way because we kind of like really didn't look for him to really be hurt. I thought it was weird at the time. They didn't do any imaging on him, so I thought it was a little weird. But we got the phone call from the supervisor. They released him that day. They didn't like watch him or anything. Um, he was on light. Uh, I think for a couple of days. He was already planned to be off for that weekend. It was a scheduled time off. And then he went back for light duty because when he got kicked in the head by the horse, the nail uh, of the shoe um, had created a laceration. And so he had staples in his head. So, of course, he couldn't be on the street. So he did light duty for maybe a couple of days when he came back. And we just figured, he's like, oh, I have a headache. We're like, well, duh, you got kicked in the head by a Clydesdale. You're going to have a headache. And we really didn't think anything of it in the beginning. You said he got kicked in yes. the head by a Clydesdale. I, I got to tell you, yes. I'm not a horse person. I really don't know horses. I know Clydesdales yeah. are really, really, really big. I mean, and mm-hmm. they weigh a yes. ton. Yep, they're, they average about 2,000 pounds. Which is a ton. And if you get kicked by yep. one of them bad boys... We had mounted division in my department, uh, horseback. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they're really, really good at is dispersing large crowds or crowd control. When you have horses coming at you, high-stepping, people tend Mm -hmm. to get out of the way and for good reason. And I can understand why you downplayed it. Turns out it was a lot more than anybody realized. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. We'll return to our conversation with Joan Van de Greek in just a few moments. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. When you get there, click like and follow. That's click, like, and follow Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. Missed an episode of Law Enforcement Today? You don't have to anymore because now you can listen to it on Podopolo, the free new app that makes listening anytime, anywhere so easy. Catch up on shows you've missed and chat with John J. Wiley right there, too. Download for free on the Apple or Google Play stores. That's Podopolo. And John J. Wiley wants to hear from you inside Podopolo. This 
This is Law Enforcement Today Show. Return our conversation with Joan Van de Greek. Her husband, Greg, is a medically retired police officer from the Denver, Colorado area. He also was an EMT and a firefighter. Did a total of 26 years of service. And she's a CPA, and uh, her website is also fetchyourwealth.com. Joan, before we went to a break, we're talking about the injury. Your husband was working uh, secondary employment. In mm-hmm. uniform, I believe, it's kind of parade. Yeah. He got kicked in the head by a Clydesdale horse. He had a laceration to his head. He was complaining of headaches. He was on light duty because of laceration. When did you start seeing that things were, were not right? What was the first thing that came up that maybe this is more serious than we think? Yeah, and and it, it took months to really like start to really like start to put two and two together. Um Almost immediately when we think back of it, like there was like the physical stuff with the pain, um, the laceration, we, the staples came out after a week and what we kind of noticed, and this happened in April and I, I kind of distinctly remember it cause there was a stopping point for my daughter's first birthday when, um, my brother-in-law was here and he's a ED doctor and he, we were talking about it with him. So that's kind of my frame of reference is that those summer months was, you know, we saw the forgetfulness with, like, you would ask him, did you give the baby Tylenol for her teething, or did you feed her, and things like that, and he could never remember, and so he started, um, what you don't realize is that when people start to have that, they start compensating, so, for instance, what he would do is he would line up each of the bowls of food or the spoons or the medicines along the sink, so you know how we all kind of just put everything next to the sink counter, nonchalantly, he would line it up so that when I would come home, he could count how many times he fed her or gave her the Tylenol. He really, he had no ability to really remember, remember it otherwise. That just became kind of like his system. And then I would just, you know, push everything out of the way and then ask the question and we'd have this fight. Cause he's like, well, I don't remember. You just messed it up. And I'm like, well, who cares if I push the dishes? Like, whatever I threw them in the dishwasher you know it was it was stuff like that and it was like well that's kind of weird that he's having that reaction and rolling forward you know the headaches were still going bad he couldn't be out in daylight ever but we're like well maybe it's because you're working so many night shifts things like that and we started realizing was his laceration was still bleeding so I I distinctly remember talking to our brother-in-law when he was here for the first birthday He's an easy doctor. I'm like, why why is this laceration still bleeding? Like why why is he still having headaches? And like, you know, kinda of like, hey, do you think we need to like ask about this or and you know, he was like, Well, no, that doesn't quite kinda of add up, but that's not really what where I focus. You know, he's he's literally just doing like heart for Connecticut bleeds and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So, you know, he's like, you know, go, go talk to the doctor. So, you know, my husband's like, well, I know it was workers' comp because it's obviously the last generation. Let me go back to workers' comp. And, you know, there's a whole process by which you do that. And, you know, you have to basically get it reopened, right, because they had closed it out after they took the samples out um, and they refused. So I remember during the fall there was this process by which we ended up – they refused to see him, the workers' comp doctors, and we ended up in – February of the following year, um, so about 10-ish months later, we ended up going to our general doctor because we, we had a hard no from workers' comp seeing those doctors. And we're like, hey, here's what happened. He's having these headaches. The laceration was, you know, scarred up, but, you know, still every now and again with the skin would break. 
And these headaches aren't going away. What do we do? Because we just need help. And I'm like, I'm guessing at this point we're going to need an MRI because you got kicked in the head by a horse. Like, it seems normal that you'd get one. Right. Um, and, and luckily, his doctor was really responsive, really listening. It was his general, his general doctor. And he was all over it immediately, um, sending him for MRIs, sending him for, like, neuro. Um, neurologist jumped on board, sent him for further testing, and and really it was he really didn't get any attention to the injury until that first after that first ten months and by then he had like missed shifts there were fights he would forget things he would accuse us of like hiding it it was like all these weird things they were like dude we have better things to do with a newborn at home than to like he, hide he your attempted tools to go back to hide your keys he went back to full yeah. duty in spite of what was going on yes he went full duty one week after the injury. Here's the $64,000 question. I'm sure when you look back, Joan, you go, I don't know why, but mm-hmm. why would he return to full duty when it was obvious there were still issues going on? You know, it was one of those things where, you know, we when you have that newborn at home and you're focused on that and trying to have a second one, and then at the same time, you know, of course you're going to have a headache from being kicked in the head with a horse. Like, it just... After a while, we're like, okay, this is something is wrong. You know, we kind of realized it within the first two to six months ish. Then we tried to follow the process that the city, we know the city wants us to follow. And when we just hit, you know, dead ends with all that, that's when we finally were like, okay, we, we just need to just hire our own doctors. You know, you end up spending your own money. He went back to full duty because it's simple the overtime. Right? Exactly. I, I was waiting for you to say that. Small, one of the yeah, things that, yeah, that I I struggled with, and a lot of people I know struggle with, is, you know, and it's self-inflicted. I've got a responsibility. Mm-hmm. I, I I got to take care of my family, yeah. uh, and there's a huge financial thing, and and we'll get to this in a mm-hmm. moment. But what people don't seem to realize is that when you are active duty police officer, you work a lot of overtime to make ends meet, to have extra money. When you get hurt and you're put on light duty, all that goes away and you wind up living with far less, but the responsibilities don't change. And the second is like, I don't want anyone to think that I'm dinged up, that I'm no good. Right. Yeah. And, and for us really, it was a chance I had worked corporate. I mean, I had a great salary at a CPA, but he really wanted me to be a stay-at-home mom. I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. I was burned out from my career, and that's what the off-duty offered. I mean, he doubled his salary. He completely made up my salary in overtime. And so, you know, it's appealing. You, you, you know, how do you give that up? And now all of a sudden you got to start saving for college. It's just opposite. You know, it's like, right. it's like that kind of thing. And you don't want to lose your benefits because you have a baby. And Did, know, did he start struggling at work? Because there's a lot of responsibility in police oh, yeah. work that a lot of people don't realize. What sort of helped and didn't help was um, he was uh, he was on patrol when my daughter was born, and then for longest time um, he wanted to work at the airport. And I won't get, you can probably guess from here, but he wanted to work at the at the airport. And um, around the same time, maybe a couple of weeks before he got hurt, um, so this was like from basically January to April, he was on um, patrol, and then. Right after he got hurt, he had just been moved over to um, working the airport. So while the first couple months he still had to, like, give testimony from when he used to do his old traffic grants and things like that, he wasn't really making any arrests anymore. Like, I think the entire time he worked at that location, he said he made it was mostly medical assists for the right. airplanes. And, you know, something happens in flight. I think he said maybe once or twice he actually had to put cuffs on someone because they were, like, 
drunk from the flight or something, but it wasn't, it was a different kind of police work. We, you know, we kind of joked that the, the reason why he got away with it was, um, I don't want to say got away with it, but like people didn't know it. It was all he had to do was tell people where the restroom was at the airport and like how to get to their flight. Right. It was like customer service kind of policing. Yeah. If that's a good way to well, equate it's it. Like, it's uh, not, uh, public service, it's public relations. And when people yeah. see you, that's accomplishing 95% of your job right there is just yep. being seen and be predictable. Like CRO kind of stuff, you right. know, just being a smiling face and friendly. And, and that's who he was. But here's the big problem I have is if he was developing memory problems, he couldn't remember yeah. a lot of things due to the traumatic brain injury, a lot of report taking, a lot of details, a lot of specifics are very important. I'm wondering yeah. how he was able to manage that, even in that role. He didn't have to do it. There, there, there really was no reason to be taking reports. It was, it was so night and day from when he used to be on patrol and he'd be doing like DVs and, you know, just like traffic incidents and things like that. It was so night and day. Like I said, he never really even had to put cuffs on anyone. It was really, it truly was like customer service type of work. Truly so, different. Um, we're going to take a and short it, break. We're it, talking with Joan Vandegreek, Joan's husband. Greg is a medical retired police officer, traumatic brain injury. When we return, we're going to talk more about the impact on her, the big adjustments she's made, and some things that everyone should be aware of that they should do to protect themselves due to financial disaster from incidents like this. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Ever miss an episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show? Never fear. You can sign up for our free email newsletter and get access to past podcast episodes. Plus, all subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign-up area. That's letradioshow.com. We promise we will never spam you. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Return conversation with Joan Vandegreek on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Her husband, Greg, is a medically retired police officer from the Denver, Colorado area. She's also a CPA. Her website is fetchyourwealth.com. Joan, before we went to break, we're, we're talking about the injury to your husband. And he transitioned, even with traumatic brain injury, and you were having yeah. problems happening at home. He transitioned to working at the airport, and it was a totally different style of policing, and he didn't feel all the things he needed to be a full-time police officer. He didn't need there. Your joke was, tell people where to park or where the bathroom is. That was the extent. Yeah, exactly. And and that's changed, in all fairness, to our our guys over there now. Um, It's way more complicated for different reasons, but but there was that period in there where... um, you know, it, it was, it was a great place to be. And, um, it's, it's interesting because that was exactly what ended up, um, the reason why he ended up having to stop work was, um, eventually rolling forward all these, you know, years, um, in the summer of 17, there was an incident on the airfield and, you know, they became this question of, okay, is it, you know, an air, is it airport problem or is it DPD problem? Um, and my husband, you know, w- responded to the incident and, you know, did what he thought was right. You know, he had to actually take a report. I remember, um, you know, he, he used his phone, to, you know, because he was there. He, he used phones to take pictures of all the licenses, everyone who was, at, you know, he tried to do as best he could because he knew he was going to struggle with it. 
um, to recount the details. I mean, he, he just kind of went crazy. Just, okay, here's who was here. You know, all, all, all eight people who I think were involved. Well, it turned out there was 11 and, and that became the breaking point. At the end of the day, we thought he thought eight had been injured. And it turns out because of the distance from where he is dispatched at the airport, he was just coming on the shift to where it was in the airfield. You know, we have, we have a huge airport out here. Um, it took 10 minutes to drive the airfield. So by the time he got there, three had already been med- had already been medevaced to the hospital, and um, so he only saw eight people. So when it came time to giving his account and his report, he thought there were only eight injured in the incident, and it turns out there were three critical. And so things were adding total, up, right? It wasn't, and he and, and it, it just it took him completely by surprise, you know. And and again, he's like, "Well, I, you know how that all goes. There's politics there." But he thought he had done his best to write the report. But of course, um, at the time, they're saying, "No, this isn't a traffic incident. It's an airport incident." So uh, something about the the systems here. There's two. You can same system, but the way you flag it, it pulls down differently when you're looking at the right. report. I, when look, as a, was, as a police officer, I had so many reports yeah. handed back to me because I had an inconsistency that was very yeah. small, but it changed the entire way it's reported. I get that Absolutely. part. What I I don't think people understand is here's a here's a person who's very competent in what he does. He's very qualified at what he does, yeah. and he's got a great reputation. All of a sudden, he can't remember details. I'm sure that created right. a lot of controversy. Huge, yeah, and eventually what ends up unfolding is is it ended up going to IA, so in, internal affairs, and and the incident was in July, and internal affairs was the following year because you know how that all goes in March, and I, I remember it distinctly because um, he had worked like four shifts, overnight shifts in a row. You know, he knew he had this interview coming up, but they scheduled it, of course, the morning of the fourth shift. So after you've had like you know wacky sleep um you know it's, at this time he already had the attorney there um you know because that's a standard to have an attorney right. there because you're entitled um and he was completely incoherent and they accused him of being intoxicated and i remember distinctly because um you know he called me and i'm like well how did it go because you're, you're sitting there because it's kind of it's a lot of anxiety when you're like you know they're going to go for these things because just the way it is, no matter what, you're never right, it seems like. And he's like, it, it was bad. And all I remember him saying was, I'm like, what do you mean it was bad? He's like, it was just bad. I'm like, what do you mean bad? And he was like, I, I don't I don't know what words I was saying. And it was like, what do you, like, I knew you won't remember, but like, he, the words made no sense what he told me. And I'm like, what do you mean the words? He's like, the questions. And um, our, our friend, who's also the attorney, was saying that he was completely incoherent. He, and my husband explained, all I heard were words and not phrases. I'm like, well, were you just tired? What was it? He's like, no, it's bad. They're putting me on fit for duty. They sent me home. And, and then we got to experience this whole different world of what a fit for duty is for an officer, um, which no one ever prepares you for. No. Um, yeah. And, and it's pretty <laughs> very yeah. politely. Um, so from the time of March, when he got put on the fit for duty and they were accusing him of being intoxicated, and that's when the attorney, of course, pulls up the picture, pulls up the news articles of him getting hurt and saying, no, he has a brain injury. We've been fighting this with workers' comp. Um, he's not intoxicated. This is, this is part of his brain injury. They had like this, he's like, you could just see the, the gentleman at IA have this like, oh, moment. 
And um, he's like, I remember, and he was explaining that like, they quickly pulled up his file and saw the incident because we had, you know, we knew exactly what day it was. Saw it on his, you know, employee file, and we're like, oh, he had an, a sworn officer who has memory issues out there for the last how many years? Yeah, and that's you know? uh, that's certainly not a good thing for for any department. One well, of the things I want to change no. gears, and uh, shortly after, it. was he able to retire after that? Um, so what ensued was we ended up having a forced FMLA for about three months. Then we did two rounds of an ADA trying to find him an accommodation within the department. Um, none of that passed. We ended up having an EEOC um, going through all that. So just um, equal opportunity stuff. Eventually, they moved him into a civilian role, which only, and I remember when it was, it was May of the following year, because it was on my birthday, it was his last day as a sworn officer. They put him in the civilian role, and he could never verbalize why he thought it wasn't going to work. He did a job shadow for a day or two, but I, I don't understand that it's not going to work, it's not going to work. So did, they still made him do it, they forced him to do it for four days, and his, his headaches went out of, like, just out of control. We were sort of managing them, but they just got out of control. His vision was all jacked up, which we already knew, but it was worsening. Um, and, and it ended up leading to more diagnosis. He only lasted four days as a civilian um, working within the traffic operations. So still sort of, you know, connected to, to police work, but um, it only lasted for four days before the headaches were so bad and Someone gave a, gave him their two cents, one of the uppers, and he told the upper what he could go do with himself. And, and of course, that was the commander, and they didn't yeah. go very well. Well, of course, um, they don't like hearing that a lot of times. And I, no, I've, I've gotten yeah. in trouble for that, too. Sure. One of the, the big misconceptions that, that I was always taught from the academy, and I'm not saying it's the departments. It's the cities, the counties, the states. Once the bean yep. counters, the accountants get involved. No, no offense, you are in a losing <laughs> end of the bargain. They always said, "If you got hurt, yes. some we'll take care of you. Your family will be fine." With workers' yeah. comp, that's not the case, is it? No, no. It, 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 it was just years and years of battles, and finally, the night before trial, he had already tried to hurt himself once, and our, our attorney made us pull out because he felt like, you know, cost benefit. You're not going to get anything out of this, and. I'm more afraid that in, in the um, cross-examination, he's going to get incoherent and try to hurt himself again. Because it was recently after he tried to hurt himself once. Um, I'm glad he, so, he, was, he, he got the help he needed. Yeah. How yep. much out of pocket did you all have to pay to cover his medical expenses? Yeah, so we added it up. It, you know, we, we maxed out the credit cards about three times. So it was about over 55000 um, that we've put towards co-pays, medications, paying for eye treatments, doctors out of pocket. Um, you know, we've, we've corrected that a little bit here, but there's still a lot of things that we end up still having to pay out of pocket for him. Um, if you want a particular type of treatment, there's a good chance you're going to pay for out of pocket for it. And that's the um, thing that a lot of people don't seem to get. Fortunately, yeah. you come from a, a background that's finance heavy and you have a website, yeah. fetchyourwealth.com. Can people learn on the website how they can protect themselves whether it be police officers, firefighters, EMTs, or or the the baker. Yeah, exactly. It, that's that's exactly right. It's the strategies that work just for police officers. It's for first responders. It's for just even small like private business owners. And you know the lessons learned is what works and what doesn't. Workers comp doesn't help you. Um, some people think if they have like social security and disability, we're still going through that battle right now and. 
I mean, even with the litany of like diagnosis codes and, you know, everything is tracked by the doctors and the depression and anxiety and all that stuff. It's still, it, it, we still don't have any conclusions and it's been years, like been years, years and years and years. Joan, do yeah. me a favor. Keep me advised what's going on. I want everyone to take a few moments when you have some time, go online, check out our website, mm-hmm. fetchyourwealth.com. Can people contact you there? Absolutely. Um, there's a link right to our um, our email. And, you know, if you have any questions, I'm, I'm happy to just give you my two cents of what we experienced and, and what worked and didn't work. And it's that transition financially, it's, there's no way to prepare for it. Joan, I, mean, I appreciate you being a guest on the show yeah. and telling your story. Very much appreciated. Thank you. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.